Welcome to League Indeed for another week. My name's Ben and with me as always is Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello there, Ben. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Didn't we have a little taste of rugby league on the weekend just to whet our appetites? Oh, did we what? I loved every minute of it, the Indigenous All-Stars weekend. Uh, the ladies game was up first, Indigenous All-Stars ladies versus the Maori ladies. Did you watch this one? I sure did, and didn't wasn't it a good game? Like, nice, free-flowing rugby league there for a bit, and some big hits. That's what I liked about it. Big, massive hits. And hasn't the uh, women's game come along in the last few years? Oh, it's terrific. I love it. I hope we get to see a proper women's competition in the NRL, a proper 16-team comp. Um, hopefully the NRL will throw some money at it after the display on the weekend. Uh, the Maori team, too good for the Indigenous All-Stars, unfortunately. But it was a great game, and the Indigenous ladies really put up a good fight. Uh, yeah, just outclassed, I think, by a little bit more experienced team. And I think they've been playing a little bit longer together, the Maori ladies, than the Indigenous side. And I think some of the Indigenous ones aren't even in the NRLW full-time, are they? They have to kind of piece together a side. But, they, yeah, they did really well. Yeah, the Maori ladies were red hot. And they were without some players too. Uh, some of the New Zealand-based players couldn't make it because of the COVID restrictions. But, yeah, their team is unbelievably good. Uh, particularly, I thought... The little hooker from the Maori team, Nita Maynard, just tore them to pieces, especially in that, I think they, they played it in quarters. I think it, yeah, four 15-minute quarters it was. Yeah, that first quarter she just was darting out a dummy half at will and just putting them on the back foot and it really set the tone for the rest of the game. And they, the Indigenous uh, ladies fought back to a certain extent of some really good goal line defence, but they just couldn't keep them out. They're too good. Yeah, I think they're well coached, but they also good improvisational play from the uh, from the dummy half there. I thought some of the I really like the indigenous fullback. She had a uh, for the indigenous women's Jamie Chapman. Yeah, is. and um, yeah, she had a couple of really good runs. Um, so yeah, some really good promising signs there. She's only eighteen too, I think. Really? Uh, yeah, young Chapman. Yeah, really good player. Do you know who she plays for in the comp? Or? Oh, probably Roosters, like the rest yeah. of them. Roosters seem to have an unlimited salary cap in the women's comp too. <laughs> um, the other player for the Maori that I thought were, was fantastic was Zahara Tamara. Now, the the uh, man of the match went, oh, sorry, lady of the match, went to Racine McGregor, who scored a couple of tries, but I don't think she was, well, she was probably in the top five players, but... I don't think she was the, the best, um, either Zahara or Nita for me, but yeah, what a team. Well, a couple of robberies there then, <coughs> because I think in, we'll get to the uh, men's all-star game in a second, but yeah, I think uh, they got the wrong man of the match there as well. But how'd you see that game, Ben? Well, I want to go back just to the the, the ladies did the, uh, the Maori team did their traditional haka, or one of the traditional hakas, followed by a unity dance from the Indigenous team, and that was fantastic, and then... For the main event for the men's game, they even they stepped it up another notch. How good was that? Well, that's probably the best harker I've ever seen from any side, any New Zealand side, uh, rugby union included. It was stirring. I think that's the only word for it. I actually had a little tear in my eye over both of them. It was, um, yeah, they, it was uh, astounding. They always get you those harkers, don't they? They're, they're incredibly powerful, and that that one on the weekend was just something else. So the the look in those guys' eyes, and the and the look on the indigenous guys' eyes, was staring them down, and then the um, the unity dance to counter it was just yeah, really stirring stuff. But the game was even better, unbelievably good game. I loved it. 
Yeah, well, I love these early season fixtures because you see who's been kind of, you know, how they've been training over the off-season and who's fit and who's fat and everything and who's blowing real hard. But I think pretty much all of them were blowing pretty hard after that first half because it was a pretty quick old game and a lot of feeling in it as well. There was a bit of argy-bargy and uh, Mm. blokes getting up in each other's faces and stuff. It was pretty much everything you want to see from an early season game or from any game. Yeah, very much so. Um and the, one of the main knocks that come out of the game from the, the journalists was that um, the new rule of the restart or the, sorry, the, the handover from a, a kick out over the touchline as opposed to a scrum, apparently that's dampened the, the free-flowing nature of rugby league or some such rubbish and that's why we didn't see any, any more points than the 10 all score line suggest but i'd rather watch a game like that a knockdown drag them out 10 all draw i'd rather see that than 42 40 yeah we spoke about that last week didn't we the um big high scores that were that were around last year so yeah i'd rather a 10 all draw any day if it's like nice and rough and tumble and uh you know blokes just not strolling over the line every two seconds mm, who, who are your standouts in this game well i thought latrell mitchell played really well he looked like he's back to what he can do i thought um, he was good in patches but i've i've always been critical of latrell i think he's capable of anything as we've seen he is capable of anything but he kind of i don't know he seems to do it when he wants to do it as opposed to a constant effort kind of player i think that's just more my i prefer the the grinding type player the worker rather than the the flashy highlight every every 15 20 minutes kind of kind of guy but yeah he did he did play well well i'll tell you who my other favorite was was reuben cotter and i gotta admit i never have even seen or heard of this bloke he plays for the cowboys apparently but i thought he had a great game yeah he was fantastic really yeah really good game from him he's quick out of dummy half yeah isn't he? good defense and um yeah he seemed to be controlling everything oh as much as he could because bloody hell the indigenous fellas didn't have any ball for i don't know 50 minutes like it seemed like new zealand had all the running so they did well to end up in a draw yeah, um, which takes us to the draw. They didn't know it was gold. There was no golden point. Well, yeah, that, that was a bit of a, a confusing one at the end. I think uh, Laurie Daly came out this week and said that he didn't know that there was no golden point. Um, Cody Walker says that uh, he didn't know that there was no golden point. Um, Cody's blaming Laurie. Uh, saying that he didn't get the message to go for the win at the end there when James Fisher Harris gave away the. The penalty, uh, Daly said he wanted to go for the try, but Walker couldn't see any message when he looked at the bench. Mm. Who was the captain? The captain was Cody Walker. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think there's a bit of blame shifting going on there, but I, like I say, I didn't mind. I thought 10 all was a pretty fitting result in the end. They bashed each other up for 80 minutes, and that's how rugby league's supposed to be. Is that the kind of thing where the ref at the start of the game says, right, I want you to keep your tackles down and obey the 10-metre rule? Oh, and by the way, there's no golden point. Is it something that they tell them beforehand, or mm-hmm. is it just something that they assume they know because, you know, they've been in camp all week and they've said, right, oh, boys, these are the rules in this particular game because some of the rules are actually different. Aren't they? I'd be surprised if they didn't tell them because they tell them everything else on the field, don't they? they you do. get off, you, you're offside. Get off him, get off him, you're offside. Get off him. Hold, 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 hold. And we're still sticking with the one referee, which is good. Oh, I tell you what, I watched a game, an early season game from last year. I was bored out of my brain 
this week and I watched uh, one of the early games from last year when they still had the two refs and it was rubbish. And rubbish. I th- and I was, th- and I got to admit, halfway through the game, I'm thinking, who's that other bloke out there? And I was hearing whistles from places I didn't know where it was coming from. Turns out two ref. I'm so glad they got rid of that second ref. And the ref on the weekend in this game was fantastic. And I don't know who it was. And they say that that's a good sign. Yeah, if you don't know who the ref is. Yeah. yeah um, didn't draw any attention to himself. Refed it fairly. Let him let him get a bit tough. I noticed there was a couple of penalties for incorrect play the balls, which I was harping on about last year, yep. wondering if that rule had disappeared from the rule book. But it seems like this year this is going to be their, their bugbear, so to speak, and they're going to crack down on it, which is going to give everyone the shits. But I think, you know, it's in the rules. Oh, that's to... good. And if there's someone going to bring back one of these things, it's Blake Ferguson, isn't it? Because I think he was the one that <laughs> he was the one. It. He Now, I alluded, I alluded to it earlier on as far as the man of the match. I thought Benji Marshall was a standout. And if it wasn't Benji Marshall, I thought Jordan Rickey was amazing I was amazing just going to well. say, like, that's funny you should say that. Jordan Rickey was, was fantastic. And I'll tell you what, neither of those blokes gave away a penalty in the last minute that won the – that. Uh, <laughs> Tied it up like James Fisher-Harris, who was the man of the match. So, I don't know. There's something a bit strange going on there because uh, I think, well, I'd give it to Jordan Rickey. I thought he was a standout. Yeah, he was pretty good, Fisher-Harris. He had, what's it, 137 metres, 16 hit-ups, 26 tackles. Pretty pretty well-rounded performance. But, yeah, I think I agree. I think I think Benji was, well, Benji or Jordan Rickey. But how about Benji? Just oh. evergreen, isn't he? And playing with his little brother as well. Yeah. Which, what, there's about 13 years difference. They they came up with a stat that um, one of the players was two years old when Benji made his debut or something like that. And so when they were saying, oh, you know, these blokes have been looking up to Benji all their lives, they're actually not, they're not talking out their ass. That's actually a true thing. A lot of these blokes were in their formative years when they were playing, like looking up to Benji and going, gee, I want to do that. And now they're playing alongside him. I reckon that's one of the best things to come out of games like this. Yeah, I think so too. It's um, it, it's a testament to Benji. Like you, you don't realise how long ago 2005 was until you see those. They showed a clip of it, I think, at, at full time. Uh, Benji after the grand final win with um, little Jeremy Marshall King, just a little, oh, he wouldn't have been a toddler, but maybe seven, eight years old and we're giving him a hug on the ground and you see Benji and he just looks like a little kid. He just seems like he's been around forever, but um, he's certainly not showing it on the field. Speaking of Benji Marshall, it really illustrates his desire to compete and stay at the top level in rugby league when reports filtered out of South Sydney camp this week that he'd uh, felt the need to give Damien Cook a spray and tell him that his passes were, and I quote, shit. Uh, Benji said that? He did indeed. This is from Fox Sports. Um, Marshall explained to Fox Sports why he had to have words with Cook. Um... Cook is a dribbler, Marshall said before going on to say being part of a team, people have just got to take it the right way. It's not about putting people on show. It's just an expectation that you have from each other. I think when you have success, you've got to have that expectation where you want. Your connection between the halves and the hook is very important, said Benji. The connections that you have, you have to work out at training. Cook, he gives me so much stick during the week. 
Cook then goes on to tell the Telegraph that he was shocked but uh, found it refreshing because younger, inexperienced players are usually too uncomfortable to tell him that his service out of dummy half isn't up to scratch or, as Benji says, shit. Well, all I can say about that is lucky Benji's still not playing at the Tigers because, uh, of course, we had reports before of Jacob Little dishing up shit on people's chests. Well, nowhere near their chests, and that's why him and Luch- Luciano got into it. So, yeah, I'll just... Uh, so you presume someone like Damien Cook, who's at the top of the heap, he's a New South Wales hooker, you'd think that he wouldn't be dishing up shit. Well, you wouldn't think so. Maybe, it, well, is that why Benji moved to South? Because he was sick of the shit service from Jacob Little and only to turn up at South and find that the service was equally shit. Well, maybe that's what he does. He just goes from team to team looking to fix up shit. <laughs> looking for crisp service. Now, how would Benji have gone back in the day getting service from someone like... I'm just going to pull someone out of the top of my head here. Someone like, oh, let's say Brad Drew. Oh, Benji would have shot him in the face. Rugby League soap opera continues on with Manly star Tom Travoyevich tearing another hamstring. This is his third or fourth, I think, in in the last couple of years. Uh, Tommy's only played 19 games in the last two years with two chronic left hamstring injuries. Tore his right one last weekend, uh, slipping in the bathroom. How do you do that? Well, uh, you... Wake up in the morning after a night out on the Corso, you slip in the bathroom, you get on the phone, ring the physio and tell him, and then ring Dazzy apparently as well. In the meantime, you get on Twitter and find that a bloke called Harry has posted a video of yourself, yourself being Tommy, of course, Tommy Dravojevic, racing said Harry down the Corso at 2 a.m., on a dare, apparently, but nothing to do with the torn hamstring. Mm, so he hasn't warmed up properly while he's been out on the piss. <laughs> uh, Tommy Tommy admits to being an idiot. This is from uh, Christian Nicolucci in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, Tom has admitted to being an idiot, but denied being dumb. Now, I can't pick the difference here, but Tommy denies a dumb sprinting race through the Manly Corso on late Saturday night. Uh, Even though there's video evidence of it. No, sorry, I misspoke. Denied denied that the the late-night sprinting race caused his latest hamstring injury. He insisted it occurred when he slipped in the bathroom. So he's done one of those real big comedy slips, like when you see in the cartoons and they slip on a banana skin. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I've I've sort of, you know, you slip on, you might be in the kitchen, but I want to know what... You know, and you slip and you go, oh, shit, and then you're all right. You don't tear your hamstring. I mean, these guys are peak athletes. Maybe they're doing bigger slips than you or I or the common man, but 
what, what kind of house do you think Tommy's living in? Is he is he living in a 1960s place with those real slippery, you know, um, brown tiles that you used to see? Or has he got a more modern kind of place with the non-slip variety? Well, i got to tell you, I'm 43 years old. I've been having baths and showers for pretty much most of that time. And I've never slipped in the shower. And if I have, like you said, I've just corrected it. But what I've seen, I've seen some proper slips. I saw a mate of mine once, he was carrying a carton and he had thongs on. We're up in the coast, up in uh, the central coast, I think, up Woi Woi Way. And uh, he was walking along, wet conditions, and he had those thongs that didn't have any grip on the bottom of them. So they weren't like the big, uh, you know, um, beach combers or whatever. And um, he corrected himself and he had a bloody carton on his shoulder. Well, there you go. And I, well, actually, while you mention it, I, an, uh, another mate of mine, I saw a slip with a schooner in his hand in the green room at a mental as anything gig at the Orange X <laughs> Services Club <laughs> and cracked his melon open. <laughs> but you know what he didn't do? His <laughs> hamstring. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do his hands. Yeah, you going to do your hamstring? It must have been, like I said, one of those ones where you see like, uh, see cartoon characters slipping on a banana peel. So, yeah, unless he's got real slippery tiles or he's gone ass overhead on um, a towel or something. But how do you even slip on a, t- on a towel? Like if it's wet, it's not well, going anywhere. I think the point we're trying to make here is Tommy's tail seems a little tall. It's a tall Tommy tail. And I don't, well, for one, I don't believe him for a second, but the journos seem to think that Tommy's the most honest man in rugby league and everything he should he says should be taken as gospel. Well, that's his brand, isn't it? We spoke about it a couple of, year, couple of weeks ago where it's like, well, if your daughter's going to bring home a footballer, you'd want her to be Tommy Travojevic or his brother Jake, even though they're not the most handsome blokes in the world. But um, do we need to rethink this? Do we need to rethink uh, who we want our, do- our, our daughters to bring home? 100%. I understand how it looks, says Tommy. I did some dumb stuff Saturday night, but I promise you I hurt the hammy the next morning. I promise you, Trevojevic said. I was having a few drinks and being an idiot on the Corso. Uh, Manly CEO Stephen Humphrey says Tommy gave them a full explanation of how the injury occurred, including the events of the prior day and evening. So uh, the Manly CEO would have you believe that Tom got on the phone after slipping in the shower, presumably still with wet hair. And said, listen, uh, Steve, Steve, mate, I've just slipped and torn the hammy, my good one, in the shower. But I want you to know that I was having a race on the piss at the Corso last night as well. I just want to get that out in the clear. Now, what I've been saying for ages is these NRL footballers earning six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, they need to pay someone. Look, say, look, I'm going out on the piss. It's my brother-in-law's sister's birthday or whatever it is. I'm going to go out to the Corso and have a few drinks. Um... You know, and usually you need these blokes like to pay someone 150 bucks to keep all the punishers away from them, a la, you know, uh, what's his name, O'Brien at the races the other day. So do we need them now to pay somebody to stop them having running races? Mm. Usually you'd need to stop them from flogging blokes. But is that, what we're, is that what's happened now in the NRL? And it also... Possibly. I think you're on the right track. Yeah, well, I think, has it gone out? Well, it hasn't really gone out of the game. Blokes, NRL players going out and flogging other uh, poor innocent bystanders. But is this going to be the new normal? Well, I said it a while ago when Jackie Whiten was out flogging blokes and the stuff. He had to pay him someone 150 bucks to go out with him. But then he's another one who was out for a few games because he hurt his toe on a trampoline. Yeah, that was a tall story as well. I know and believes it. 
Just mm. say. Just say, look, I hurt my toe because I flogged someone last night. And everyone go, oh, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But then you say, oh, I heard it slipping in the shower. Or, or on the trampoline. Or a trampoline. Mm. Everyone... I, I still want to know how that whether he got his toe caught in the spring <laughs> or if he came off it and still like landed toe <laughs> like a ballerina. <laughs> or he's going to jump on it and the toe got caught in the wet grass. But come on, like that's the thing is I think people actually losing respect for NRL players coming up with this stuff. And what did Desi say about, oh, geez, I'm glad he doesn't have three hamstrings. Oh, does Desi Hasler actually think that you have more than two hamstrings? Well, to me, this was the great, the best thing out of this whole story, whether Tommy's lying or not, which I think we all know he is. He is. Coach Des Hasler tried to keep the mood upbeat. This is from the same Sydney Morning Herald article. Tried to keep the mood upbeat when he quipped, uh, and this is in um, quotes. We are pleased Tom... I wish I could do the Des voice, but I can't. We are pleased Tom only has two hamstrings and not three. If it's going to happen, it's, it is best now. It is a grade two, so it is probably a six, seven-week turnaround. Now, if that's not the most confusing rugby league statement <laughs> you've ever heard, I don't know what is. I see it written in your eyes. Confirm it with your lies Though the web you weave can hold me I would rather that you told me Where you want to be Hey, Rugby League Daily M Awards are facing a major overhaul after years of controversy. The NRL form an advisory panel of media experts before the start of the season to discuss and then recommend changes to the voting system. There was a lot of controversy last year over the uh, Daily M Award when Jack Whiten took it out um, after many thought that uh, Nathan Cleary should have won it and the, the images of them sitting on the couch together in the in the virtual ceremony continues to haunt many Panthers fans to this day. Uh, the 3-2-1 judging system could be replaced by a voting structure in which every player would be given a rating out of 10 per, for their performance on the on the day. This would stop players at the stronger clubs from often missing out on points because they're competing against the better players each week for the 3-2-1 votes. What's your take on this one? Well, first... How's Nathan Cleary even eligible for it? I know they explained it, but can someone explain it to me? Like, so he got busted doing his TikTok dancing and all that kind of stuff at the uh, start and breaking um, COVID protocols, wasn't it? Was mm. that what he got in trouble for, wasn't it? And so I don't even know how he was even still in the running. Well, nobody knows, but they were outraged when he didn't win it. Well, so let's fix that up first. So if they get suspended during the year, that's it, right? Well, supposedly, but there's rules for some and, and, and other rules for others, of course, as it always goes in rugby league. But um, I, I, I'm not against the idea of always... It always has been a bit unfair that if you're in a, a team, one of the top teams like the Roosters or the Storm, you're, gonna, you're, you're up against it because the same blokes tend to get the, 
the points every week. But I don't know about this rug. It's kind of like a rugby league week system, isn't it? Remember when they used to do that? They'd give everyone a rating out of 10. and Well, they still do it in the Telegraph and that after an origin game, don't yeah, they? Yeah, after the rep games. But the, the club games, they never do it anymore because we don't have any proper rugby league publications anymore. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Because the, the reviews are always extremely subjective, aren't they? Yeah, well, who's going to be awarding their points? Well, that's the other sticking point after the um, the Ruan Sims controversy where she, she gave some crazy Dally M points to somebody and then told everybody that, that she'd watched the game in close detail only to find out later, later on that week that she hadn't watched the game at all. Um, I suppose it'll be up to journalists. Um, what is, is the Dally M still a rugby, uh, sorry, a Daily Telegraph kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I suppose so. it'll be the old stages like Buzz and bloody Jimmy Hooper and, and Paul Kenton, those guys giving them out, and they've all got their agendas, but... Do we trust these blokes to give out 17 out of 10, you know, 17 ratings? Well, the, I mean, it, it's a good idea, but like you say, how are they going to... How are we going to know that the person doing the judging is is um, fair for a start? How and B, how are we going to know that they're going to actually watch the game? Well, imagine a bloody old fossil like Phil Roth. What, what's his name? Roth. Mm, Buzz. Buzz. He's not going to start, okay, one, seven, number two, seven. Number three, oh, well, actually, six, and then by the time he gets to seventeen, he's run out of steam. Or by the time <laughs> he's get to five, he's like, oh Jesus, I've got to do another twelve of these, and then he's got to do it for the other side. Come on, yeah. But the other one, at least it was just three. Well, at least they're thinking about it, I suppose. But I don't know. These awards have always been a little bit sketchy, but they give us something to talk about, don't they? But they got well. I suppose they'd have to. What about the commentary team? They're the ones that are keeping the closest eye on the game, or is it too much of a workload to them? Are they too time poor? Well, they do that on the ABC on the ABC radio call. Um, the the commentators give out the three, two, one, and it always seems I don't know when Alan Tongue's giving them out, they're not so fair. But um, the other blokes seem to be Maddie Maddie Elliott always gives out seemingly. seemingly fair and reasonable judging points. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing is you get all of the commentary side. You get Fatty and Joey and Rabbits. You get all of them to do their things or you just get one of them. I don't know. Because I wouldn't trust bloody Rabbits Warren to be able to. He doesn't even know half the players anyway. He gets all of them mixed up. He'd be asleep by the time he got to the wingers. Yeah, so what do they do? Just Oh, sorry, hang on a sec, Ray. Just before you get on your uh, private jet and go to the uh, sixth at Doonbin, um, can we just get your ratings, mate? Fuck, fuck, off. Off. fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I've already done my work. Or do we throw another couple of million at it? Does Peter Volandis throw a couple of million and get a judging panel in similar to the um to the executive uh what are they called? The one that Junior Pierce is on? The um the executive Project commi- Apollo. Yeah, the commission. Uh, Pro- Project Whiten, they'll call it. Oh. Just uh, get get seven, oh, I don't know, seven, nine dumb ex-footballers in, in and, uh, and tell them to do the one to tens every week. Well, see, Jackie was surrounded by controversy when he got man of the match at the uh, at the grand final. Mm. When he got the Clive Churchill. Mm. So his controversy just follows this bloke around, doesn't it? Maybe they just got to exclude Jack Whiten from any voting. Who judges the the... The Churchill. Well, that was uh, people on the ground. And I remember, uh, again, that was a similar situation where, what's his name, the front rower, Jared Warrior Hargraves, who was there ready to get the medal, mm. 
until someone said, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, it's Jackie. <laughs> and so then he got up and the poor bugger just lost the grand final and all the Roosters fans all booing him. Uh, Why are you booing Jackie? Uh, Boo bloody whoever it was, Paul Harrigan or whoever it was that was there giving out the medal. Uh, I don't know. It's got to be fixed, but I'm not sure this is a way to fix it. Everybody's at least favourite Fox Sports commentator, Corey Parker, has been sacked from his coaching role at the Broncos. Did you know about this? I have heard a little bit about this. What went down? Do you know what Corey did or, sorry, used to do at the Broncos? Because I'm not even sure that he, well, apparently he must have had a coaching role of some well, let description. Me throw this, well, let me throw this word out that right. they give to all the people who they don't actually know what they do. Consultant. Ah, oh, consultant. Okay. So maybe it might have been a coaching consultant. Well, there's a picture of him here on the Fox Sports website with his arms folded in a nice polo with all the ads all over it and Kevy standing behind him in a big pair of Top Gun sunglasses. So <laughs> I presume that he was some kind of, yeah, well, he's either Kevy's consulting Corey or it's the other, or, or, or Corey's just consulting the ground in front of him, it seems. But he's opened up on his strange accent from the Broncos saying it's disappointing. Uh, Corey says, throughout 2020, you worked as a... Oh, there you go, coaching consultant. You were right. Hmm. This is including after Kevy got appointed. So he was obviously hired under the uh, the reign of Anthony Seabold. 
Um, and maybe Kevy just doesn't think that um, he's Walter's material. Maybe he's Seabold material, but not not Walter's material. Anyway, uh, they all went away over the break, the Christmas break, that is, and at no stage did anyone suggest that the coaching role would not continue. Now, Corey says, you don't have to be Einstein to work out what's going on when the Broncos return to training and you haven't been notified, you being Corey. Uh, now, I think you do have to be Einstein because nobody seems to be any the wiser. So they just haven't told him. Mm-hmm. So no, kevy has gone and told everyone else. Maybe it was just a clerical mishap. No, well, well once Corey didn't get the, once Corey found out that they, they'd gone back to training sans Corey, Corey picked up the phone, rang Kevy to see where he stood. And for whatever reason, Kevy didn't want him involved with the team this year. And there's <laughs> Kevy, Kevy says there's no bad blood and that he's uh, one of the most capped Broncos and he's always welcome and there's nothing against Corey, but he hasn't seemed to have given him a reason why he got punted. How, well, how'd that phone call go? So, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> uh, g'day, Kevy, it's, uh, it's uh, Corey here, mate. I'm just wondering if you left my name off that email uh, saying when we were due back at training. Uh, sorry, sorry, who's this? No, no, no. Don't know what you're talking about, Corey. No, no, no. I don't know. Oh, what sorry, you're, you're, you're being Kevy. I'm on both of them. I'm both of them. <laughs> I was being Kevy. I'll, I'll butt out. <laughs> yeah. So, nah, I don't know what you're talking about, Corey. Um, well, Kevy, I, I, I sort of had a job. Well, no, there's no bad blood between us, mate. And then hangs, hangs up on him. I don't know. What's going on? And then says, but you're always welcome, mate. Just not now while I'm coach. Well, no, the Broncos have a history of this. Like, oh, well, you know, Gordy Tallis, he's due, he he's welcome back with open arms whenever he wants to. Like, don't they have a, a, a history of keeping all of the favourite golden boys and everything and punting all the rest of them? But, geez, I would have thought that Corey Parker would have been one of the golden boys. Well, yeah, it looks like he's just going to be relegated to the sidelines again with Fox Sports talking about the middle third of the field for 80 minutes oh. or for whenever they go down to him at least oh it's us. uh at least terry madison's kept his job he's an old, another bronco old boy now they go on about their old boys a lot don't they but that place just seems to be in an absolute shambles at the moment kevy thought that he needed to keep his experience with his assistants that's terry madison and also uh in inverted commas carty which i presume is john cartwright and i didn't even know he was there Bloody, well he's not a bronco's old boy is he well did Corey and Kevy play, play together? They must have played together at some point. Their I think they must overlapped. have. Yeah, Corey. Corey was around a lot, yeah. a lot earlier than everybody thinks. When, remember when he was bald? He kind of went reverse. He, yeah. he was bald when he started, and then got that luxurious head of hair that his wife makes him get cut like every second day. Is there bad blood? Is it like Kevy Walters is like Charles Bronson, and he's just like stewing in his own little vat of revenge hate and he's like you know Corey parker didn't put one on his chest one day when Corey played lock of course or second row but maybe he's playing and he didn't, oh, I see didn't give Corey, didn't give kevy the service that he thought he deserved and a la benji he's just gone right as soon as i get the broncos job and he's been stewing and stewing for the last mm. 20 years mm. well I think it could be something like that or is it just that Corey's hopeless and no one actually knew what he did and Seabold had him on his books and Seabold didn't know anything about anything that was going on there. Well, Seabold was just handing out jobs like, like lollies, wasn't what he? Wasn't he? One job, mate? One job? I don't know what I'm doing. Come up, you, yeah, come up the Broncos. Yeah, come come here and you can be a consultant. We'll put give, you on the books as a consultant. Give you a job. Uh, now, he's in the wilderness, of course. Uh, but it, maybe what could happen, uh, Kevy goes on to say, it was like with me and Wayne. Uh, Wayne must have sacked Kevy at some stage, did he? Or they had a falling out, I think, something like that. But uh, Kevy says he went away. All he had to do was go away, work on his coaching to get experience, and it was good for me. 
So maybe that's his advice to Corey. Go away, hook up with Anthony again at wherever he might be, work on your coaching, uh, spend a bit of time on the sidelines with Fox Sports, learn the game, and then you can come back because you're always welcome. Well, I hope to God that Corey's listening to this because it seems like that's what you need to do and Gabby's not going to tell you, so we'll tell you. Mm. It wasn't much I know Key to the Parramatta Reels chances this year in the 2021 season is going to be Eels halfback Mitchell Moses. Now, Laurie Daly has come out on the radio this morning and said that um, he believes Mitch hasn't evolved his game as a halfback, needs to make better decisions at critical moments, and to be perfectly honest, he didn't see a great deal of change last year in 2020. What do you think about Laurie's comments? Was Laurie uh, even asked about Mitch Moses or he just started talking about Probably him not. off the top of his head? He just, <laughs> you know, it was like a little light bulb went off on him and he went, oh, actually, hang on a sec. They were talking about something else, talking about the Indigenous All-Stars. Oh, hang on a sec. While I think of it, Mitch Moses hasn't uh, evolved his game and just started going on like that. Well, no, I think I think he was, well, not asked directly. Was he baited? But no, no, no. Laurie doesn't get baited. Um, I, I've got to agree with him. I, I don't think... Mitchell, Mitch gets touted as as the next big thing and has done a bit like kind of Luke Brooks style for the last, oh, I don't know, four or five years. He's on $800,000 and he just doesn't be able to see, uh, seem to get it done and goes goes quiet, doesn't he? When the when the backs are against the wall, so to speak. The thing with Mitchell is he has all the skills, but as a halfback, you've got to have the right balance, says Laurie. You've got to be able to challenge the line. Get a team around, manage the same team exceptionally well, but you've got to make the right decisions at the right time. They have a term for it in cricket, says Laurie, a flat track bully. Oh, he went there. He did. Flat track bully. Uh, now, I, I, I love that Laurie's mixing codes, cricket and rugby league. That's what, something I've said all along, that we should find a way to shoehorn cricket into rugby league, and that's 12 months of the year, so that we get the best of both worlds. Um, but I think Laurie knows what he's talking about. Now, we had this argument with our little uh, circle of, of, of pals during the week, didn't we, about uh, whether Laurie was a good 5'8 or a good centre, and I think you and I both agreed that he was a fantastic half, or a 5'8, I should say, and he is quite qualified to say that Mitchell is a flat-track bully and needs to get better. Well, I think the thing about Mitchell Moses is he just seems to just go on little spats, doesn't he? He seems to start barking even more than your modern-day halfback starts barking at his uh, troops whenever things aren't going right when it's his fault. Well, yeah. That's what I uh, seem to see from him is he kind of, dare I say it, starts sooking. Mm. Well, the definition of a flat-track bully, of course, being somebody who who's on top of the world and, and a proper champion when things are going their way, but when th- when things are grim, you start yelling at your own mates and and kicking stones and swearing, throwing mouth guards, all that kind of stuff. Um, who, who would you have thought was a flat-track bully in the cricket? That's what I want to know. I'm going to say Matthew Hayden. Oh, yeah. Yep. And yep. Who, uh, when things are going good. 
things are going good. You're on top of the world. You're swinging the bat like a golf club. You you go and kissing Justin Langer on the head, all that kind of stuff. I think the opposite of that was um, what would you what would be the opposite of a flat track bully? Uh, oh, jeez. What's that? So someone who keeps upbeat when things aren't going their right their way. Yeah, like AB. Yeah. Yeah, AB. Bruce Reed. Bruce Reed, Tubby Taylor, hmm. all fighters. Yeah. Opposite of of Mitch Moses. Well, is Mitch Moses a victim of his own upbringing? Because I picture him as just being one of these kids. He's Benny Elias's bloody nephew, of course. So has he had too easy a road to the NRL, would you say? Oh, things don't start going his way, so he starts bloody sooking? I don't know about that. But I, 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 no, I'm not, I'm not saying he can't play. He's a, when he's on, he's, he's a great oh, footy player. When it's a flat track. I just think it's an attitude problem. I don't know. I don't know if he had an easy ride to the NRL because of his uncle. Maybe, maybe Benny greased the wheels a little. He, he does have quite the fortune. Does uh, backdoor, but um, I think Mitch seems to be the kind, to me seems to be the kind of bloke that wore his rep socks to training. Yes, yeah. that's what I was thinking. That's yeah. a, that's exactly <clears throat> what I was thinking of. And and you know the. The the Tubby Taylors and the ABs of the world don't take kindly to blokes like him, do they? No, no. Or no. well, the Laurie Dailies of the world, blokes yeah. like Laurie that had to really, yeah, yeah, you know, do fight. all the hard work and fight his yeah. way in. And yeah. blokes who could be, you know, forty-two points behind on the scoreboard and just keep trying and trying and trying, but Mitch doesn't do that. Um, well, as is evident by Parramatta's meteoric downfall last year, from uh, well, they weren't they? They, they were. <laughs> They were on top of the world, and then they just fell in a big crashing heap. Yeah, I so think maybe that's a, what Laurie's talking about. And he's not the only bloke at the Eels. I don't think. I, I know it seems like we're rubbishing him, but we've got to tell the truth on this podcast, yeah, otherwise, who's gonna? Um, uh, there's other blokes on that team, isn't there? Uh, uh, Clinton Gutherson. Yeah. Um, Flat track bully. He's all bloody backflips and somersaults and all that kind of stupid shit when he's scoring tries, but then when he's letting five in. Yeah. But it's balanced out by the workers like Nathan Brown. Oh, geez, I like that kid. He's always up for a stink, isn't he? Yeah. Um, oh. So they've got, the, got some work to do there. Um, and I don't think Laurie's comments are going to be taken too too kindly by um, Mitchell especially. But I, don't, I also think Brad Arthur's going to have a bit of a problem. There could be some fiery phone calls on the big sports breakfast coming up next week. <laughs> falls from grace in recent rugby league memory ex-south superstar sam burgess was caught last week with a gut full of cocaine driving somewhere up near barrel or over near barrel to go and to pick his kids up uh, caught by the new south wales police who also discovered that he's never ever held a new south wales driver's license jeez trouble just follows this bloke doesn't it so mm. at least I suppose he wasn't driving like a maniac like bloody Tiger Woods was during the week and snapped both his legs off like poor old Tiger did. And uh, best wishes to Tiger and everybody. But um, so what do we do with Sammy? Do we deport him? What do we do? Is he an Australian citizen? That I do not know. I want to know, actually, now that you've mentioned it, I want to know 
how you drive when you're on cocaine is it is it like when you've had a a um a jazz cigarette did you, you slow down to like 15 k's an hour and think that you're really humming well i picture like and i've never done this stuff i stay right away from all that sort of stuff but i just imagine you know like as soon as you even touch you know, as soon as you even get a little bag of cocaine or a big pillowcase like in those uh, movies I was saying and you get your flick knife out and you get the little bit of coke on the end of it and you just give it a little sniff, I imagine you just turn into Tony Montana or whatever his name is, Scarface, straight away. Start so, sweating profusely. Yeah, sweating and wearing big, big, um, you know, oh, open big, neck, yeah. huge big uh, collars over the top of your suit and everything and start chopping up blokes in your in your bathroom with a chainsaw but i don't think sammy's gone that far but i reckon uh he probably would have been going a bit mad would have been sweaty would have been speeding yeah on his way to pick up his kids yeah charming hello kids <laughs> it's your dad sammy yeah yeah whereas tiger was just going too fast from all reports yeah well tiger was in a bit of a huff wasn't he so. yeah but um so what do we do about sammy like it just I think everyone was kind of willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and, you know, he's got all these domestic dramas and all that sort of stuff. And I remember when he was playing, he had a bit of controversy followed him around and I think might have even been drugs back then. Well, I'm going to go on the record and say that I've never liked him. Despite his 2014 heroics, broken jaw, all that sort of stuff, he's always been a good player and you had to respect his ability. But to me, he was always the big noter, you know, look how good I am, I'm bloody Sam Burgess, I've come out from England and now I'm going to show all you bloody idiot Australians how to play rugby league. He, he, I don't know, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to go as far as Laurie and call him a flat track bully. Well, I know what I'm going to call him. You know what I'm going to call him. He's a two bob lair. Oh, two bob lair. That's what he is. And I think everything... Not a 10 pound pom? No, ah, I think everything there. started going wrong with Sam and, and the other Burgess brothers as well because they've uh, not been without their controversies as well. Mm. I mm. think it all started going wrong when uh, Rusty started going out <gasps> with their mum. Of course. You remember that? I do remember it now. Now, so, and we've there's got a bloke on, I don't like. Well, we've got it on good authority that Russell Crowe was going out with the Burgess's mum and uh, big so, Rusty, big, and this is in Rusty's heavy Years, so she obviously likes her. Oh, he's still heavy. Make no mistake. <laughs> I saw I saw a photo of him on Twitter the other day. Oh, Jesus, Rusty's been in a good paddock. Oh, it's probably for a role. Oh, of course, like yeah. No, but I mean, like not a like not a movie role, like a ham and <laughs> ham ham roll, a roll, <laughs> a cocaine roll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd say Rusty's well, I think, stuff, isn't he? I buddy? think that's where, that's where. Well, that, he lives up that way, doesn't he? Well, that's probably where he was headed, was he? Is he living with Rusty now that he's um, <gasps> now that he's separated from his missus and the uh, father wants to shoot him in the head and all that? Possibly. Oh no, no. Sorry, it was Sam that was intimidating him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But well, no, no. Sorry, that's Barrel. No, Rusty lives up Coffs Harbour. Oh, yeah, yeah. Harbor. But don't tell me that's not where Sam's getting his cocaine from. <laughs> from Rusty and his big time Hollywood connections. No, from Rusty's cocaine farm. Oh, he's got, he's a got farm that up big. There. Oh, he's got that big ranch up there. <laughs> oh, grows yeah. grows cocaine. Just like, gives him whatever he wants. Like yeah, because yeah. once you're in the South system, that's it. Yeah, and and Rusty's got a whole wardrobe full of those open neck shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Not even for rolls. Yeah, and that Ru is actually what he wears when he's not wearing bloody fucking Fosse's tracksuits. 
Oh yeah, those South ones and and those those fake the plastic uh, the fake leather jackets with the little bunny on them and the and the and the gladiator quotes on the back. So it's no surprise that Sam's turned out how he is. Oh, not at all. Now that we've pieced it all together, we well, can. Yeah. He was the golden boy, wasn't he? He was he was the little twinkle in Rusty's eye, and we oh, know why because yeah. of course Rusty and the mother having the relationship, so he's pretty much like a son to. to uh, well, Rusty, I was just he? about to say, did Rusty try and claim him at one point and say, "Sam, come here"? No, hang on, I've got to get the voice right. Sam, come here, mate. You're my fucking son, mate. And I fucking love you. Now, come here and give your old man a big bloody kiss on the lips. (laughs) (laughs) Drugs! Thank you for listening to League Indeed for another week. Make sure you subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you like what we do, then share it amongst your friends. And tomorrow we'll be uploading another bonus episode, an interview with Ian Burke, who's the coach of the NRL All-Stars Indigenous Women's Team. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.